lesson six um, from um, church history. Um, and, and if you uh, can imagine, uh, in church history one, let me say it that way, church history one, we're in lesson six. Um, and if you can imagine uh, having something brand spanking new and you are to take it and you are to run with it. And that was uh, the tasks of uh, the apostles in the uh, first century church from the standpoint of, and I'll say it the way Joshua said it, we haven't been this way yet heretofore, meaning this is new for us. And uh, it didn't take long to see that uh, things needed to be tweaked. And we thought some things were going to go this way, but we got to make some changes. And one of those changes from the start uh, came with uh, the need for deacons. And the scripture says in uh, Acts 6 that there were some widows who came <laughs> to the apostles. And as it were, they were not being taken care of. Uh, from the standpoint of them, the, the scripture says being administered to. Now hear the words of uh, the apostles saying, it is not meet for us to attend to tables. Not that we're too good for it, but we must what? Give ourselves to prayer. So Acts 6 says it this way. We are to look out among us and get seven men who can take on this task. And these seven, um, and I, I thought the lesson made out a good point. There are times that there are people in the Bible mentioned only once or twice. Are they even less important than those who wrote a book or wrote an epistle? or mentioned on a regular basis, no they're not, okay? And as we'll see with Stephen, his job was one sermon, come on, let's go to heaven. All right, and these seven, um, it's T-I-M-O-N, I'm saying Timon. The Spanish in me says Timon, but I'm gonna say Timon. Uh, Parmenas, Nicholas, Nicanor, Prochorus, and of course Stephen and Philip. And if you stop and you look at it, their job was to serve and to wait tables. And the prerequisites for that came from the apostles. And that is, let's get these men of an honest report or good reputation, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. You're just serving tables. But was it just that important? I was stopping to think about, this was... Um, um, and I'll tell you what, let me do this. I'm going to go ahead and read it. I'm, I'm going to show you the importance of something. This is uh, Matthew chapter 25, verses 41 to 46. And it's in the same passage with uh, the parable of the talents. So this is a, a, a parable, but listen to the truth that's in it. Matthew 25, I saw the verse 41, and this is uh, Jesus talking. Then shall he say unto them on the left, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, Prepare for the devil and his angels. For, listen, for I was a hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Verse 44. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee. Then shall he answer unto them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch 
as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. This little menial task of serving tables, we're looking for men full of wisdom, of the Holy Ghost, and of a good rapport. It may not look like much. And I'll go to Micah 5, 2 talks about when the Holy One of Israel came, when Jesus was born. It said, I'll read it. But ye Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small, among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Zechariah 4.10 says, we're not to despise the day of small things. They're just tables. Feed them. It's more than that. Because can I treat these widows as if I'm feeding the Lord himself? And I think it's safe to say we wouldn't treat the Lord just any old kind of way. Look what um, Colossians 3.23 and 24 says. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men, knowing that, the Lord, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the award of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Galatians 6.10 says, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Huh. And I ran across this, this quote, um, Brother Gross. It says, you can easily judge the character of a man by how he treats those who can do nothing for him. The person that's down and out, I'm going to give him a sandwich or whatever, but I'm going to watch this thing right here because there's a good chance they can do nothing for me. I'm not doing it for them to do something for me. If I do it heartily, as unto the Lord. And that is what we are called to do. If I can see that, he's touched on it already. I am to suffer. I'm the, I'm the anchor outreach guy. And it's ingrained in me. Suffer that little one to come, because such is the kingdom of heaven. I'm not wanting it to be that as I try and darken the doors of heaven, and Jesus re-reminds me, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was naked, I was in prison. When, Lord, was that? Johnny, who was down and out, and you stepped over him to get into the church. Sister, um, she stepped out, Sister Megan, oh, there she is, Sister Megan, and Brother Stephen. Wow. I mean, I pinch it again. <laughs> wow. Uh, can attest to my wife and I, they were with us our time at Robinwood. Rec Center, Brother Bray, you were there. Uh, the Johnsons, you visited there. You all ministered there, the grossest. Rec Center, a gym. And when you walk in, two steps, you're at this wall where the office of the d director is or whatever. And there's a table in the foyer. And there's a good chance someone played ball there that Saturday night. May not smell all that good. But there's this um, person in my household that I'm related to by way of marriage. Who the dentists can, can attest to this. 
though it is just a gem, Brother Horton, that table that's there, she's going to put a tablecloth on that table. And there's going to be some floral arrangement there. But it's just a gem. And it's just kids. But it's God's kids. It's God's kids. And as we go into the gym where we minister, basketball court on a hoop on this end or one on the other. But she lays out those tables. She does it heartily as unto the Lord. Tablecloths again. We have a um, prize bin for the kids. Tablecloth on that table for that. And it's going to look like something. I'm in charge. So is she doing it for me? No, she's not. Is she doing it for us co-workers with her? No, she's not. She's doing it as if, Jesus, you can go to prize table today. But these little kids, these little ungrateful kids and whatever, they're Jesus' kids. You're looking at Jesus. And our job is to serve them, to serve them, because you never know. Praise God. Hallelujah. So these guys were, were hey, <laughs> you got to have an honest report, good reputation, you got to be full of wisdom. You got to be faithful. And so they were chosen. And they were first called in deacons. And the boss is in the back, brother bar, these deacons, as it is today, may not always get a pat on the back, may not know what you do behind the scenes. Maybe a thankless job. And you may be one without a title. But again, if I am doing what I am doing heartily as unto the Lord, do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. Servitude, serving. I will tell this story. And let, me, let me light this up a little bit so I can stop crying. Then come to the pulpit to cry. Let me, let me light this up. Um, it was about a month ago, uh, Sister Johnson, the, I don't know, uh, I think the Middleton girls started, let's do volleyball again, and I was up here at Antioch High School, 2005, 2008, and during recess, I played out there, volleyball with them, played basketball and all that, uh, so the texting was going back and forth, left and right from the Middleton girls, Brother Brown, we're going to start it up again, you're you going to come play with us. So I'm like, uh, my wife is going, you're a little older now, so you go out there, you get hurt. Don't come back hurt. Very supportive, wasn't she? So we uh, had our, uh, we probably three weeks now, we've been, we've been playing out in the sand pit in the back. The class of 2005, uh, Brother Milton went and joined us. He said the top of the hill, as his daughter said, heckling us. He wouldn't play with us. Wow. And um, the second week, talking about servitude here, um, we all gathered out there, and there's about 20 of us, the Lewis gang, who take out to their dad because they trash talk left and right. No surprise there, okay? And easily, at any given time, there would be 20 of us, so it's, you know, six on at one time. Uh, someone's on the sideline waiting for next. And there was a young lady who, uh, did Lauren step out? Good, I'll talk about her. Uh, young lady who was there, she didn't, she was probably new to this. But everyone wanted to play. So we played a couple games and all that. And then 
Uh, we all got back on. Uh, we had lost and got back on to play the winners, uh, Josh's team, who never lost. So here's Lauren, who was the team captain. She was spirited. We get together in the huddle. We're going to do this, follow the ball to the end. We're going to do this, we're going to do that. Yay, team, we got this. Break on three. One, two, three, break. We were all pumped, even the old guy. So we, we came to play, and we looked, and they, we had uh, seven on our team. And one was the new girl. So somebody had to step off. And me with the spirit of sacrifice and servitude, because if I'm going to teach this, I better be a servant. So Lauren is right here, and a little, gir little girl was about right there. So I kind of mouthed to Lauren, you know, I'll sit out, and I, I won't play this game. And Miss Quiet, good demeanor Lauren, who my wife had in kindergarten, said to me, she said, you will not sit out, you will play. So and at first time, this spirit of competition, I known all these years, never knew that before. And I'm trying to be a servant. And she said, you will play, you will not sit out. To which me, being an elder and a man of God, how dare you talk to me this way as I go take my spot in the sand? So I didn't get to serve, just a ball, but I didn't get to serve and sit out now in for fairness sake, um, young, we subbed out and the young lady did play, but um, back to the lesson, servanthood. So here we were with these seven men and meal that it seemed was of God and it was needed. And from there, uh, I mentioned uh, these five weren't all that recognizable, but um, now comes Stephen and Philip and in the case of Philip, um, he deaconed as well and got involved in what it was with servanthood and all. So I tell you, let me do this first. Let me cover Stephen. First, uh, Christian martyr. Um, he, he was one, the Bible said, full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, did all kind of wonders and miracles and all. Uh, he got what, what it was to be a follower of Christ. But as it was, there was opposition who withstood him as it was in today. You're going to be pro-Christian, there's going to be anti-Christ. And there was a group of uh, people that were called libertines. And these were people who were dead set against Christians. Thus dead set against Stephen. And they made up lies against him. Uh, said that he blasphemed God when in fact he did not. And so here he was, because from there we got to go before what? The court, the Sanhedrin Council. And we're going to hash this thing out, and we're going to have it out. Now, when I get done reading to you scripture, what Stephen said to them, it may have been the Sanhedrin Council that was on trial. Because, again, he, he being full of the Holy Ghost said the things of God to them. Um, I'll start at... Uh, verse uh, 51 of chapter uh, 7, Acts seven fifty one. Here's what Stephen said to them. Get ready. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always uh, resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming 
of the just one, meaning that it was prophesied that Jesus was coming. It was told one that was coming. Of whom you have now been, uh, you're the betrayers and the murderers who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it, meaning the Messiah came and y'all killed him. And there were, let me back up and read, there were a part of his uh, disposition to them was his comparison. Uh, he went through uh, Jewish history with the Sanhedrin Council, told about the Abrahamic covenant, Moses bringing Israel uh, out of Egypt. But then there was a problem when he started talking about Jesus. And he made some comparisons of Moses and Jesus. And let me say this, I'm, I'm always uh, blown away by this in John 8 and 58 because there's always a group that's going to oppose Jesus and this group that opposed Jesus to his face was saying Abraham's our guy father Abraham he's our guy are you greater than, than father Abraham and if I had a mic I would do but I don't have a mic because this was a drop the mic moment to which Jesus said uh can I break it down for you? Before Abraham was, I am. As the bishop would say, Selah. And of course, and, and here with uh, Jesus and also in, in our scriptures here, when Stephen got done, they wanted to, the Bible said it, gnash on him, meaning they wanted to grind their teeth. This guy. Oh! He's getting under my skin. Ah, like Sister Brown with me. Ah, he's talking sports again. Just kidding. Sports are in the Bible, by the way. In Hebrew, talking about the one who beateth, beateth the air. Beateth the air. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Shadow boxing. You better believe it. Thought I'd knock you out with that one. Ah, ah, wouldn't be me if I didn't. So uh, going back to the comparisons that uh, Stephen broke down for um, the Sanhedrin Council of Moses and Jesus. Uh, he said efforts were made to destroy Moses and Jesus while they were both babies. Yes. And God intervened. Uh, Moses could have, uh, could have chosen to live like a king, but instead chose to suffer affliction by identifying himself with the people of God. Jesus also, who is the almighty God, let, left heaven's throne to identify himself with us. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He took upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness, likeness of men. That's what Jesus did. Could have been more of a king, but he chose that for us. Uh, Moses fled into the land of Midian, where he took a Gentile bride, the church of Jesus Christ is what? The Gentile bride of Jesus. Moses served as a shepherd for 40 years. Jesus is what? The good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. Uh, a couple more. Moses brought Israel out of, uh, out of Egyptian bondage. Jesus Christ brought us out of the bondage of sin. And yes, he did. And then lastly, the children of Israel were baptized unto Moses, their deliverer. Uh, First Kings, uh, sorry, First Corinthians 10, 2. We are baptized unto Jesus, our deliverer. So uh, he's ex uh, espousing unto the Sanhedrin Council, getting them to understand. 
I'll go back to verse um, 54. When they, the Sanhedrin council, heard these things, they were what? Cut to the heart. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Verse 56, and Stephen said, and behold, this is Stephen talking, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And here, and here we go. Then they cried out along with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city, stoned him, and the witnesses laid their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul, who later became Paul. In verse 59, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Brother Bray touched on it. We can get to a point where we go, God, avenge me of my enemies, of my adversary. Or we can pray, Lord, lay not this to their charge. Takes a lot of Holy Ghost. Takes a lot of God. Now, do you understand? I don't care what we go through. God is in control. Because they're taking care of all the clothes for that day was this young man Saul. And often the question is asked. Here was this guy, Stephen, uh, Ian, who gave his life. One sermon, one message, and then he's killed. Certainly, Brother Bray, you cannot call that a successful preacher. I beg to differ from this standpoint again, whose life did he touch and impact? I'm going to date myself a little bit, go back to when we were uh, stationed in Belgium back in 1986, 1986, 1989. And uh, we got there, we had eventually four kids ages two, three, four, and five. Um, we had the Euro dollar now, Sister Saint, but then we had the Belgian franc. And for every dollar that I exchanged, I got back 35 cents. I lost 65 cents on a dollar. Tough times there. Surely this can't be God, but it was. Because for that three-year period, he kept us, okay? And we had services in our, in our home, uh, in that morning, Sunday mornings, and then we would go up to the missionaries. That whole service was in French. They would translate uh, for us. Uh, but in that three-year period, Brother Philip Heck, going to talk about success. Three-year period. We just baptized three people and three people only. And Ian, I got some flack for that. Those aren't some good numbers. That is not success on any level. And 100% of that flack came from me, self-imposed. You weren't successful? Only three people baptized? What is that about? Well, let me say it this way. Uh, one was a young lady who eventually uh, married, she was a civilian. Matter of fact, she was our interpreter. We met, met her by chance. And she would go with us, we'd give a ride to uh, Brussels, and she would interpret the services for us. Well, she met an army gentleman, they got married, they went on to Hawaii. How many souls they touched from there, I do not know. But she got saved and she moved on. Another young lady got baptized 
She moved on with her husband. But this last fellow, and I'll get to Stephen here in a second. I can't exaggerate this at all. I went to the nearby air base. I went to get a haircut. I sat down next to this guy, and he's reading the Bible. And scripture says, Stephen said to the Ethiopian eunuch, Understandest thou what thou readest? Literally, that's what I said to him. Of course, Wayne's today version, hey man, what you reading? And somehow we got on to salvation. Waiting to get a haircut. And he's reading the Bible. And we got on to Acts 2.38. Granted, I'm two years old in Acts 2.38 myself. So I um, uh, um, expounded on the word to him. We went our separate ways. And he worked in my building. Um, I'm Air Force. He's Army. We would cross paths here and there. And when I saw him again, he said, Brother Gross, I got it. I understand it. He said, that night when I went to take my shower, I grabbed myself by the head and got baptized in Jesus' name. Appreciate your zeal and all, but um, not quite how baptism is. In a, in a couple of weeks, though, put him in our Dodge Caravan with the other four kids the person in my household that I'm related to by way of marriage, drove the 50 minutes up to Brussels and baptized him. Came out, came out of the water speaking in tongues. That was 1987. And he got orders to go to Korea. No pun intended with this. I'm the, I'm the jokes, but I don't mean this to be funny at all. But he took his saved soul to Seoul. And as my wife will attest to, he was on fire for God. Um, so he, he, he went there and ended up in Wisconsin. Matter of fact, he got married, met a bride in um, Korea and got married. And uh, that was 35 years ago. And not always every year, but out of the blue, Brother Bray, I will get this email. <laughs> you know what today is? And I knew he was born in October. Now, this wasn't his birthday. It's not October. But what do you tell me, and he, I read the email, it's my reborn day. When I went down in that precious name and came out speaking in tongues. Three souls, three years, but one God who knew what he was doing. One God who knew what he was doing. Hey, y'all, let's not dis despise that they are small things. You know, what, what can this amount to? Can I, can I say something? And are the waivers over there, most of them? Honest God's truth. Getting my hair cut today, talking to my barber, and I told the story of uh, Lauren and how she bossed me around with the volleyball and all that. And um, I said, you may know the Lewis family. And he said he knew Cliff, and once or twice Cliff's been in there with me to get a haircut together. He said, but doesn't Tony have another son? And we were going through sons and all that, and not Tony Jr. He said, no, this is another guy, kind of kind of tall guy. And aren't they, my hand to God, aren't they at times on West Street and Route 2? And isn't one of them kind of light-skinned and all? I said, yeah, he went to West Point in the Army, was a boxing champ and all that. Just got back from Serbia on fire for God. The barber took note. Do you hear me? 
the barber took note. Well, I'm just on the corner with a banner saying Jesus and all that. Small though it may be, people notice. And I don't know, are there requirements to be a waiver? Just smile. Just smile. And be able to say, yeah. Couldn't resist. I'm sorry. So listen, if you're involved in some things that seems menial, just, um, you know, where is it going to go? Is God in it? Trust me, he is. Especially if you're doing it hardly under him. Let me tell this story. Um, This is probably eight years ago now. um, That rec center again. And this young man who will come off and on. Uh, but he happened to come the day that Brother Bray paid us a visit as Brother Bray prayed him through to the Holy Ghost. And even after that, he would come off and on. He wouldn't pay for Brother Brown. He would come off and on and all. But this past May, I got a phone call from him. He's uh, engaged with all this COVID going on. Anyway, Brother Brown, you can marry us. And here's my point. It seems like it just, and we got it out front. Here rises Antioch. It seems like nobody knows us. Nobody cares about us. Oh, but they watch us. They do watch us. We were in, easily, 15 years ago, Admiral, Admiral Oaks, doing our deal there, outreaching whatever. Met this guy coming down the sidewalk, and I'm going to go through my dissertation as to who we are. And Sister John, he stopped me and said, I know who you are. I see you every Sunday. When you think people don't know who you are and what you represent. Let me help us with this, with this, um, this thing, of when, especially when it comes to outreach and all. I'm going to get back to this as soon as I can. Okay. With this thing with outreach in that you know, it takes the, the Brother Lewis's of this world or the, or the uh, Chester Sprigs with that outgoing, bubbly personality. But what about us inverted people who don't walk into a place mouth first? The scripture says it. We win them how? By our conversation. And the conversation is our way of life. Let me prove this to you. Again, over in Belgium. Um, the, the, the general that I worked for, four-star general, had a 19-person staff, and we were always at his beck and call. He had some people come through there, uh, high-ranking people, Prince Charles, Margaret Thatcher, uh, Lady Diana, meaning that if he's entertaining them, we need to make him look good. So more times than not, uh, he had his own Air Force. We call it dining facility. Y'all call it mess hall, galley. Is that right? where y'all went to eat, that place. And he had his own dining facility. So guess what? We would, just in case he needed something, go to the uh, dining facility to get our food and come back to our desks. And we would eat right there in the event that he buzzed out and he needed something. And for a good two-year period, I would pray over my food. Sister Sam, I bowed my head and it wasn't no, come on, you know, 
Just pray, hit it, quit it, and be done with it. But little did I know, somebody was watching me. And we had one of our high-ranking officials about to retire. And they had the, the whole lineup of who's going to do what for the retirement. And so the major comes to me, and he's kind of sheepish. I'm not, not sure what, what, where he was going because he said, you're coming to the um, uh, retirement ceremony. I, I said, yes, sir, I am. You, um, at times, uh, you, you pray with your food, don't you? I said, yes, sir. He said, I was wondering, I was wondering because you're coming to the retirement, right? Yes, sir, I am. Well, because, uh, you know, we were, we were needing, because uh, you pray with your food, don't you? <laughs> and finally, I said, I'd be glad to do it. He needed someone to pray over the meal. All because, and again, it wasn't for show that I prayed over my food. And again, to help us with, it's not always you're the gregarious, outgoing person. And, you know, you were in, you were in it in, in Matthew 5. Be the salt. Be the light. Salt preserves, and salt makes you thirsty. I want Sister Johnson has something, something about her. I get thirsty when I'm around her. What is about her? There's a light in that little brown fellow. What, what is it about him? To which at that time you go, glad you asked. Let's talk about it. Praise God. All right. So back to um, our person, Stephen. Okay. Uh, so preaches one time. He's killed. But the life to come after was that conversion of Saul to Paul. And we know for sure Paul turned the world upside down. He did. Um, I'll move on to Philip. And this is, uh, he's one of the uh, seven, not Philip, one of the apostles. Okay, there's that, two different people. Um, part of his job, he took care of the widows, took care of the poor, did a great job with that. Uh, on fire for God. Um, and Acts 8, 1 says this, because after the, um, Stoning of Stephen, this happened. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So what looks like a negative, because we have to stop this spreading of the gospel. We got rid of Stephen. And I should have looked it up before now, but remember the scripture talks about, had the devil known. Had he known, because from his point of view and his aspect Jesus is dead let's party everybody but on the third day Jesus arose and with him came what power and the keys to death and grave and hell and all of that had the devil known and in the case with Stephen had he known because surely we're going to put to silence all this new stuff that's going on but the gospel continued to spread. And Philip, uh, in his workings under the Holy Ghost and all, uh, came to Samaria. Remember when Jesus told his uh, disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. And what an in interesting group of people. They were a combination of people. 
okay? And in Matthew 10, for that particular time, Jesus sent out his disciples and said, but don't go to Samaria, Samarians, okay? For now, you're going to go through to the lost sheep of Israel. Their time will come, and as it did, because when finally Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. And when he went, there was a woman at the well. You know what happened there? Grace came to her, multiplied. And at times, the question comes, Israel has chosen people. Uh, what about us? Are we second fiddle? Are we second nature? And I, I was asked that. My wife and I were stationed at the Pentagon, early 80s. And I don't know if she remembers or not. Throughout the Pentagon, you can eat anywhere. I mean, it's just that big. But we went to this one area where they had these high boys. So we're eating our sandwich, and a captain from our division was there. And somehow we got talking about scripture. And it came up to salvation, came up to Israel, God's chosen people. And he said, but, you know, you know I'm Jewish. And he said, how does that make you feel? And I don't know if my response should have been, yeah, later for y'all, I'll manage y'all, whatever. What about us? Don't have it offhand, but I, I, I live this scripture. I'm a Gentile, but I've been grafted in. I've been adopted. And guess what? I'm good with whatever the Jews get, the Jewish people get. I get it too. I'm not second fiddle. And get this scripture, the last shall be... We weren't forgotten. We weren't a footnote. My last name is Brown, not Brownstone or Brownberg. But you know what? I'm grafted in. You see that tree that God planted? I'm somewhere on that thing. And I get the blessings of Abraham. Praise God. I'm good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, uh, Samaria. So these people, their time was going to come. And their time came with uh, on fire Philip. Witness to them, pray for them, but now enter Peter because these folks now haven't yet received the Holy Ghost. They're partway there. And Peter, who has what? He's got the keys. You are Peter, upon this rock I will build my church by giving the keys to the kingdom. And he used those key, keys, that authority to pray for them, and the, the Samaritans now got the Holy Ghost. Non-Jews, the Gentiles, are getting the Holy Ghost. And you know what? And we come, many walks of life, we do. I'm the guy that got baptized twice incorrectly, or my wife corrects me when I say that. I did what I knew to do. In basic training, the chapel chaplain comes by. Anybody want to get baptized? And I knew God was working on something here. Something was missing. I had repented before. So here we are, San Antonio, Texas, on big church, on TV. Brother Brown's on TV getting baptized. Went down a wet center, came up a wet center. They did what they knew to do. But it was a stepping stone. Shortly after that, my first duty stage was New Mexico. And still something in here is not right. Something's missing. And I said that to my pastor, 
I won't say what denomination, but they didn't know Acts 2.38. So Sister Gross, I got baptized again. I'm searching. I am really searching. And again, still something's missing. And it took a couple years later that a former pastor of another denomination got the um, uh, truth of Acts 2.38. So finally I got baptized the correct way. Now I say that to say that was a good 13-year period of a little truth here, a little truth there. Why would God do that? That's so mean. God, tell him what to do. Tell him the first time, and I think you'll do it, God. But I'm going to tell you something. The struggles that it took of, he's got the truth. He's got the truth. I think he has the truth. All that struggle to finally get truth. Here's where I'm at. I have bought the truth. Excuse my English. I ain't selling it. It wasn't handed to me. I struggled to get it. I struggled for this knowledge and this revelation. Excuse my English again. You ain't taking this away from me. I treasure this. Praise God. Praise God. And he loves us that much. He won't leave us ignorant. If we do hunger and thirst after righteousness, we're going we're to get filled. We're going to get fed. He makes that promise to us. So here were the Samaritans. Um, not God's people initially. But now they're getting the Holy Ghost. And then lastly, and for I'll not read it, but just sum it up real quick so we can go, since I've been all over the place. Uh, the angel of the Lord leads Philip to Ethiopia, to uh, this Ethiopian eunuch. And he finds him, um, as, as the, the Spirit of the Lord tells him, attach yourself to his chariot. And he goes and he does that. And this guy is reading the Bible like my barber shop friend. He's reading the Bible to which he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the response is, how can I, Brother Gross, unless someone teaches me or expounds it to me? And he was in Isaiah reading about our lamb who was, and it says dumb, but meaning silent or meek, being led to the slaughter. Okay. So he read those things to him and then expounded to him, who is it? I, I want to know this Jesus, Brother Philippeck. And if nothing else I got out of the story, I got this. They're in this chariot, because only God could do it. And they come upon water. And it is the Ethiopian who, is, who says, uh, Sister Spriggs, who says, there's water. What doth hinder me? To be baptized. My point being this. We can teach Bible studies forever and ever and ever. But oh, when they get it for themselves, as opposed to there's water. And they go, that's good. No, no, no. There's water for baptism. And they still don't get it. My wife and I, we're in a current Bible study. We're, is it 10 years now, hon? When a 10-year Bible study, and don't get me wrong, sweet people, sweet people. Her constant prayer is, Lord, meet them where they're at. Meet them where they're at. And especially, and, and I think the lesson brings it out well, too, Philip did not browbeat this guy. 
you no good sinner. Hey, this guy already had a relationship with God. He just needed more truth. Just expound the word to him. You know what? Don't take away what he has. But just lead, meet him where he's at. And what will happen will be that guy will say, hey, I get it. And you know what? There's water. What keeps me from being baptized? Or as my friend 35 years ago, I get this. And old Brown left me. He's gone. I won't see him till next week. But there's water in my bathtub. What does hindereth me from taking a shower and getting baptized? Uh, appreciate the zeal, but not quite how it works. And we'll come across people all walks of life. Sister Gross, we got to meet them where they are. You know, I'm that fella, got some relationship with God, and when Acts 2.38 was brought to my wife and I, Bowling Air Force Base brought to us, the sister who came our way didn't say, okay, let me erase all that you think you have. This love you think you have for God, it amounts to nothing. Let's start from scratch. She did not do that. She loved on us, you know, and the same with us. You know what? Again, going back to small things, you never know. You never know. But I've been, Sister Raptor, working with this person for the longest, and, yeah, I'm gnashing my teeth. When are they going to get it? Some soap, some water. God gets the increase. This was years ago, probably 20 years ago I heard this of a young person here at the altars. And I think it was months they didn't get the Holy Ghost. Months. But one rally at CLC, and they get the Holy Ghost. And that person who here probably prayed up, tried to pray them through, sweat pouring and all that, could have said, no, that ain't right. God wish right. No, that's not right. Or do you rejoice? Because you know what? It could have been a motor check also. Can I, can I say it this way? How do you feel... I'm trying to see who's in the audience. If I, Jaron has the Holy Ghost, but if he didn't, if I pray Jaron through, yay, Brother Brown, you're the greatest thing since life bread. Okay, I pray Jaron through. But what about if Brother Brown prays through Bill Gates? Same soul. One not more valuable than another. One not more valuable than another. And as far as a motive check, God could have it be that if they're both up here, Bill Gates and Jaron, Jaron, y'all get it? He's, he's tall. And they're both here, and they're down here to get the Holy Ghost. Motive check. Hmm. From a status sake, Bill Gates or Jaron? Love you, Jeremy, but guess what? This is going to get my name out there, boy. Put my hand on Bill Gates' head, and nothing happens. Someone else takes Jaron. Two seconds' time, he gets the Holy Ghost. Motive check. And further, if they both were just here visiting, and visiting only, and both got the Holy Ghost, and now they need to go to a church, let's see, if Bill Gates come here, comes here, 
See, that tithe ought to be a C. If he joins our church, just an offering alone and the tithe, that, that Bentley that I wanted. But Jan just starts, decides to stay. I get a piece of paper, I'll go ahead and do this. Okay, Jaron, okay. No pun intended, but do the math. Bill Gates, more valuable? Not at all. Not at all. Again, small things. Let's not what? Let's not despise them. And Brother Brady touched on the body. The scripture says, God placed us in the body as it pleased him. As it pleased him. And Brother Ghost, if you right now throw a baseball at me without even thinking, left hand up, left hand catches it, you tell me to throw it back, it's going to be right hand throwing it back to you. This five foot nothing, it understands its functions and its parts. You throw it at me, my right hand, my right hand's not going to go, get out the way, I'm going to catch it. It knows. From an efficiency standpoint, I catch better here, you go ahead and catch it. But to throw it back, right hand, that's your job. Kick it to me, that's going to be my right foot. I make peace, and my hope was that these deacons made peace with menial though it is. We found our part in Christ. This widow is to be served. Let me do it all my might. Let me do it as unto the Lord. When I make peace of who I am, because you know what? Comparing ourselves among ourselves and judging ourselves among ourselves, it's frustrating. And if I make peace with, I'm me. I'm this corny old me with giving myself to the Lord, and Lord, you lead me. Pray with me. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for calling us. We all, Father, have a call upon our lives. And Lord, it is our job to find that calling and that purpose in you. You tell us to make our calling and our election sure. Help us to make peace with who we are in you, Lord. But there are things, Father, that you want us to do that it won't get our name in lights and all, but Lord, Help us and give us a heart to do it, that whatever we find our hands to do, that we do with all our minds, and that we do it heartily as unto you, good Lord. The downside of that is going to be for you to say, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I needed a visit, I was naked, I was in peril, but you didn't minister unto me. Well, Lord, give us the wisdom, the eyes and the ears, that no matter who comes our way, that is the need of service that, Lord, we be humble enough to do it. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. I trust you to do so, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, praise God.